Hey, this is Scott Camden, Advancement Director for the Rogo Foundation and Sandals Church. Welcome to the Rebuilding the Church podcast. This is a podcast produced by the Rogo Foundation that features collaborative and leadership discussions with people who are working to rebuild the church in a time of unprecedented change. As we're continuing to help churches overcome challenging seasons and revitalizing churches that are on the road to closure, we're going to be doing something a little different with this podcast. At Sandals Church and the Rogo Foundation, we have a staff of people that are passionate about this idea of investing in the next generation of churches. And these people are ministry-minded, but they come from a variety of disciplines and professional backgrounds like business, finance, art, media, technology, and more all of which contribute to what we believe are unique and timely assets for building the church of the future. So this season, we're going to start showcasing some of the conversations, meetings, and presentations that our leaders are having around strategies for how the church can navigate this time of unprecedented change in our culture. You'll hear personal and thoughtful material about how Sandals Church specifically is making changes and building towards setting up our organization for the next season of ministry. Today's episode is one of a series we're calling the Clarity Series. Earlier this year, our digital media team produced several interviews with young leaders in our church who have served with our Rogo Foundation in various capacities. The goal of these interviews was to have younger people in our organization share their thoughts on the cultural shifts that have occurred and affected the American church and explain the work of the Rogo Foundation in a fresh way. The interview subjects answer these two questions. First, what do you think happens to a community when a local church closes their doors? And second, why do you think the church has lost influence in culture? In addition, these guests share some of their experiences working on church revitalization projects with the Rogo Foundation, which will help give you, as a listener, a clearer picture of the work we do. Each episode in this series is hosted by our marketing supervisor, Mike Terrell, so you'll hear him ask questions throughout the episode. We hope you enjoy. What do you think with the reality of churches in America closing? That's kind of the era we're in right now. Um, Only, maybe only accelerated by the pandemic, but... No kidding. (laughs) Yeah, reality where where once there was uh, churches in neighborhoods all over the places and Mm -hmm. in uh, urban centers um, now closing at a rapid rate. Um, An interesting question is, you know, what happens when a church is gone, right? So there's there's an assumption for us. We think this is obviously a problem being the church um, and being Christians. But um, let's talk about it a little bit. Like, what do you think happens to a community when its local church closes its doors and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I think when a church closes its doors, what's really sad for a community is that you lose another institution in a place that's dedicated for the service of others, which like we don't, I just feel like in a community, like we don't have, it's not like every building you see, most most buildings are businesses that are looking for a profit, that are looking for different things. Sure, they may have like a great service to offer, you know, and you even think like local government, right? Like. Man, we don't always, supposedly, right, they're there to service, but sometimes we don't always feel that, but a church is really, that's like, that's like the sole goal of a church is to live and exist purely for its community. So I feel like you lose that a ton. The sad part though, and maybe that's where some of the tension lies, is that I don't know that people know that. (laughs) That's what Mm -hmm. the church is about. 
Um, and maybe that's even part of the problem. Like you're saying, like, you know, when we say churches are closing everywhere in America, um, maybe it's the reality that we know, like you and I know, that the church's sole purpose is to live for the people in its community, but the community doesn't actually know that. It thinks it's something else. Mm. So, Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, too, of, like, you have sadness over that point. Yeah. Right? Because, like, what's gone is... Uh, that what could be, right? You could see like a church um, completely involved in this community, yeah. knowing its people, meeting its needs. Um, you feel like, you feel like churches, and, and you mentioned that was like one of the, hmm. may, potentially maybe one of the things we need to think about as the American church, and maybe that's what is missing. Maybe that's part of why things are closing. Do you think that's like yeah. the primary reason or? It, it, a primary reason, like a big reason for sure. And, and what I don't mean when I say that is like that there are churches in their communities that are like, ah, forget the community around us. Like I don't, you know, may, maybe there's like, you know, a few churches out there like that. But I feel like on the whole, every church that exists, even the ones that are declining and struggling would agree with every statement I just said in the sense that like the church is meant to live for the community and be a service and be a light and a beacon of hope in a community. Mm -hmm. But the issue is that still there's a connect, the disconnect that the community doesn't know that. And so mm. what I'm not saying is it's like churches have a bone to pick with their communities or they don't really care even though they're supposed to. I'm saying it might be very well-intentioned people leading a church that maybe just don't know how to yeah. be a presence in their community or are struggling in how to do that in a new day and age, right? A post COVID mm. world, right? Yeah. As we're entering into um, where, and even just a culture where people generally don't feel like, like maybe 20, 30 years ago where people would have generally, generally thought, you know, there was something good in the church or something virtuous. Like you might've had sort of in the back of your head as an American, even if I don't go to church regularly, I know it's probably something I should do. Mm. Man, I don't know if we live in that world anymore. Right. Like there's just other things out there that can offer the same things that I maybe feel like church can offer. Maybe I can maybe I feel like there's just other lanes of spirituality. There's other practices. It's not something I have to show up to this building to go do. Like mm -hmm. what what does the church offer at that point? So maybe it's not that church or I would say on the whole, it's not that churches don't feel like they're there for the community. They just don't maybe know how to interact with and engage with the new communities we're seeing this day and age. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think that, do you think that's it that keeps churches back from uh, like serving or, or existing for the community is that they just don't know how or do you think it's, what do you think that is that keeps them from being that? Saying yeah. like they agree with that, they get that. What do you think's the, the what's your thoughts on the disconnect? What, what are churches Yeah, I definitely, it could be just a general, like a broad, yeah, they don't know how. I think if you were to break it down, it might be, um, yeah, like it, it's, it's not just the church's fault, right? There's other influences out there in the ear of the people in our communities, right? Um, I mean, we, we know that even from a biblical standpoint, right? There are like powers, like this is what Paul says, right? There are powers and rulers and authorities in, and even in an unseen world that are literally operating and coercing people, right, on a given day. And so that's, that's just true of our culture too, right? There's other voices that are claiming to offer the same thing that the church might offer. So I don't, you know, I don't put that on the back of every church leader and say, yeah. it's, your, it's your fault only. Like, no, yeah, we're, yeah. we're truly are in a war. <laughs> like we're in a battle um, for, for our communities in that sense. 
But yeah, certainly, like there, I, I think that there is a, a, a difficulty for churches to be willing to change. Mm. And what I mean by change, because immediately when I say that, like I've, especially in the work that I've gotten to do with the Rogo Foundation, I, I've met a lot of people that hear change and they go, oh no, that means compromise my values. Mm. And that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the change of the Rogo Foundation. Like we're talking about the value of the same gospel, the gospel being the hope of the, uh, of the world, the, the church being the delivery of that hope to the world. Like we're not compromising that. What we're saying is that the world's a complex place and it's changing. So maybe what we need to change is some of our practices. Mm. And I think that's what's very difficult is you know, in, in a lot of the church, a lot of the Western church, there's been such a focus and faith on tradition. Really what I mean by tradition is, I mean practice. Like we've had such faith in our practices that maybe worked 30, 40 years ago, but I just don't know if it works now. And I think we're seeing the fruit of that. So I think it's a complex answer, but a little bit of all that stuff. We've already covered, mm. um, you know, the reality, the context and the perspective that, um, you know, the Rogo Foundation lives in um, yeah. with this, this reality of churches are closing their doors, closing faster than we're opening them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this decline. And then, you know, um, we made history in America um, where there was a drop below 50% um, of people who were members uh, in houses of worship. And, and yeah. Um, it was, uh, I think it was in 2020, 47% of Americans said they belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque, which was down from 50% in 2018. Um, and that was a significant stat over, I believe it was an eight-year period uh, with Gallup. But, um, you know, so we, we're living in this time where the church is declining at an alarming rate. Yeah. Um, and w- with that, obviously, um, a consequence of that is losing perhaps a cause and a consequence um, is the church uh, has lost influence in a lot of ways in our Mm. culture, right? Um, What do you think about that? What do you think about the loss of the church's uh, influencing culture um, today? Like, what what do you think um, some of the reasons for that um, are? Mm. And then, you know, what, what do you think is uh, a way forward or, or something to hope for um, in gaining back a, a good influence that blesses uh, communities and, and people. Absolutely. Yeah, so why has the church lost its influence? So I, 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 think, I think one of the reasons, um, you know, you mentioned that stat of like a, de- a decline in people saying or de- even just declaring that I'm a member of a religious institution. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that even just religious institutions in general are losing their influence is like, I'm going to kind of turn on its head and say, I, I don't know if it actually had that much of an influence on their act, on their day-to-day lives. Mm. So what, what, what I'll say is that like, there may have been a time in, in even just American history where being a part of a Christian church was just a generally kind of like a positive aspect to your life. Mm. Like there might've been some positivity in that. There might've been like a, a a way that you viewed yourself that you made yourself like, okay, if I'm, if I'm like a whole person, like if I'm like a true American, like I got the job, I got the family, you know, and I go to church every Sunday sort of a thing. Like that was generally just a virtuous thing to do. Mm. I just don't think people feel that anymore. And so there's not a, a necessarily maybe like an internal need to say, yeah, I declare, you know, a house of worship or a place where I worship because I don't really need that to operate. And so that's what I think would lead into the, to the next thing, which is it's a lot, it's, uh, we've lost in our culture a necessity to gather together into worship. Mm. 
Um, there's just other things that offer the same experience out there. Like if I really, if, if what church is to me is, you know, walking into a place and feeling like spiritually connected, um, well, there's a, just a ton of things out there that offer the exact same thing, right? And so if I'm not going into a church and truly experiencing transformation mm. and formation into something else, then it's not that convincing because there's just other things out there that are offering the same sort of general, here's good spiritual practices, here's things you should do and shouldn't do, and this is how you live the good life. Um, and so my, my theory is, like, as far as why I feel like it's really declining is because people for many years have been walking into religious institutions, into churches specifically, and just haven't been experiencing the transformation that I feel like the gospel is presenting. Wow. Yeah. What do you think, uh, how would you explain the remedy to loss of influence? So how do we get restated, I guess, would be like, how does the church get good influence back? Yeah. What do you think that is? Yeah, re-displaying re transformation in a fresh way, mm. right? Um, because here's the reality, it's not that like the gospel has lost power, right? So the church may have lost influence, the gospel has not lost power, right? It is still the most powerful and compelling message, I believe, that the world, that, that you can find in the world of transformation, of true change, of wholeness, of the good life that, you know, the average American is, is pursuing, right? Um, but maybe what we need to change is, is and re really I think this is where most of my hope lies, is that I think that that's really what compels like people my age, like young people, is real transformation. When, and I'm not just talking about like religious transformation, I'm talking about like movements at the culture towards things that like, man, if I get on board with this thing, we can drive real change and tangible difference and shifts and, and, and just like, right, good outcomes that are tangible. Um, I think if the church can figure out a way to display that transformation in a fresh way to young people, that's going to be the most compelling thing. Okay, so let's talk about your personal experience of seeing churches replanted. You've done a lot of work with the Rogo Foundation, been part of several uh, relaunch efforts. So yeah. Um, Tell me a bit about what your experience was like seeing churches that were on their way to closure turned around and seeing new community uh, in, in those places. Like, just tell me what that experience yeah. did to you and what it was like. Totally. Yeah, man, the experience of the revitalization process has been like one of the most formative and powerful experiences, even in my own personal spiritual journey. Um, I think there's a lot of like kind of preconceived notions when we talk about what church merging and revitalization looks like, even with how we do it at the Rogo Foundation. A lot of people sort of think it's, yo, know, we're just there, we're taking over an old church and now it's this like brand new thing and that's it. It's like it's just taking a building that was empty and it's ours now and it's like, man, that is such a low and narrow view of the powerful thing that is happening in that process. Anytime I get to walk into buildings, like even this one, like what, what, what this was just a, a number of years ago, um, I don't see just like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a dead church, it's a declining church. Dude, I see a legacy of the gospel being in a community up to this point, right? Like years, decades and decades before I was even born, let alone pursuing ministry and doing church work, this place has been a beacon of hope in a community and a place where the gospel has been spread. Yeah. That is a powerful thing. And so as I've gotten to go into the revitalization process, I've gotten to literally hold hands with church members, people who have been doing ministry in their community, in those spaces for longer than I've been alive mm. uh, and get to be a part and, and, and walk with them through, 
yeah, it's changed for sure. It's it's a massive amount of transformation. And so I'm not going to you know minimize and say it's not a ton of change. It's a ton of change, but it's a legacy of the gospel and the work of this church continuing. Right? It's not like it's a new thing. And this is the continuation of of a legacy that's been in a given community for for years and years and years. And so man, it's just been a powerful process. And it's hard. Like that's the that, I think that's the other component to it. Like um, you know, a lot of work goes into it. A a lot of, you know, uh, change, you know, management with people who, again, have probably called that church their home for, for longer than I've even been alive for, for decades and decades. Um, as, as we go in and try and again, like bring a freshness to not, not change who we are, not change who we are as Christians, but change how that, like how a, a fresh way for the gospel to reach this community as it has been, right? And so I really see it as a continuation of a legacy of the gospel in a, in a space like, a, like, like this was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what experience stands out to you the most of the replant efforts and mergers you've been a part of? Like, yeah. And tell, and tell me why. Yeah, totally. That's a hard, that is a hard uh, question to answer. You know, uh, one of our most recent ones uh, in Anaheim, so Sandals Church Anaheim, was uh, that was a super powerful experience for me, mostly because I got to spend a lot of time with that community, both leading up to the merge um, and even for a number of months after, helping them like do ministry and kind of get ministry started. Um, man, <laughs> specifically, I'll say that this one story, we were in the middle of the renovation process, right? So where we basically do like, extreme home makeover to an old church building uh, yeah. is basically what we do. And, um, and I was just having this moment. I was with uh, one of the members of the church, the church that we merged with. Now, he's been doing ministry there for decades, literally decades. This has been the place he's, he's taken care of. It. He wasn't necessarily a pastor. You know, he was in their like, church leadership, but he effectively shepherded like, the, these people for years and years and years. And he would take care of the facility. I mean, he'd do a ton of things. His name is Carl. We love Carl. Carl, shout out if you're out there. Uh, but we, but Carl was his name. And like, we just, he, he would say things all the time. We would be in the middle of the renovation project and we would be taking down like a sign or we'd be moving and, and you know, we'd be doing a clean out at the building where we're taking like old ministry supplies and things that are in the building, things that needed like a, f- a refresher and a replacement. And we'd be taking them out and either donating them or throwing them away if they were broken or things like that. And, um, you know, there was like, I'm thinking of a specific moment we were moving something and, and he was recalling stories of the, the first time they had brought that thing to the building and, and knowing that like this, this sign that we're taking down, he hung it like years and years prior and him and I are literally taking it down together as it's going to be replaced with something new. Um, and he would always tell, you'd always say this phrase, he would say, well, we, you know, we should do it this way, this way. He's like, but I'm glad I'm not the one doing this anymore. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad it's your job now. And he would say it as a joke, you know, just kind of joking. Well, I'm glad it's your job now, buddy. You know, but it was such a like, it, you know, he doesn't even know this. I don't think I've ever even told him this. When he would say that, that was just such a powerful expression of like what was happening. Because it's not like either of us are like just taking hold of the wheel, but it's the process of man, like he was literally handing off something that he had cared for so well maintained so well and had really devoted so much of his life to and saying no this thing is bigger than me and it needs to live beyond and go beyond me you know and 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 even trusting me with that right at, at, which was the most probably the most powerful thing and saying like yeah like it was kind of the passing of a baton in so many ways literally as we're just like cleaning out a building and giving it kind of like a, a makeover in a lot of ways and so um 
you know, I love, I love, like, I've got probably a ton of stories like that. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the one I go back to pretty often. So how would you invite someone to be part of the solution of seeing the church in America grow for the next generation? What action steps would you give them to take? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to keep it short, like invest. Um, but I think there's a ton of layers to that. There's a ton of layers to investment. So the, the first step I would say this is uh, show up and be a part of it first before anything else. Um, and I don't just mean that in a way of like, hey, you should do your part, show up and contribute. I'm saying show up and receive the truth of like the transformation of the gospel and see how it both can transform you and your family, right? Your life and every, every single area of your life. Um, integrate yourself in that, right? Um, and that's part of the issue, right, is that we have so many people in just in church life that even even those now that I, I feel like probably attend church a ton, uh, maybe once a month, maybe maybe even weekly, but aren't really bought into what is happening in the sense of, of knowing it's actually like changing people's lives and maybe even transforming their own lives, right? Um, so I would say invest your time. Um, and then, yeah, inv invest your resources, right? And so, uh, like, we, <laughs> that's the funny thing about when we say, hey, you should, you should give to this thing, you should give to this really good effort that we're doing, like, um, giving to the Roga Foundation specifically, or, or even organizations like us who are really trying to champion this, this, uh, this movement to keep the church in America open and to keep it thriving and to keep it growing is an opportunity for you to not only just be a part of the thing itself by being plugged into your local church and reaping the benefit of that, but also financially supporting the work of, of organizations that are trying to do this in places that you physically can't be. Right? That's the beauty of giving to anything is really what you're doing is you're saying, I support this thing, but I know that I can't physically be in five different places at once, but man, I can support these people I trust to do this work. And I, I think specifically for the Rogo Foundation, the beautiful part is we've got a track record. There's not a lot of organizations that have a track record like we do, where we've not just, you know, bought buildings, built facilities. We're taking churches that have, again, been doing ministry in their community for decades and decades. And we're saying, okay, like we're, we're going to keep this legacy going, right? And we've done that literally almost a dozen times. And, uh, and, and we've been successful. Like we've done it well. And those churches are, they're thriving, they're reaching, they're growing, they're new, they're fresh, right? We got a ways to go in all of those areas of the community, but man, there's, there's hope there and there is a way forward. So yeah, invest yourself first and foremost. But yeah, I'd invite you to like invest, invest your finances, invest in what's happening.